Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. It's awesome that you're here this morning, and we're continuing this series, Rethinking the Church. And how many of you guys have been enjoying the series so far? Like, yeah, like really just trying to shape our perspective. That's my prayer throughout this series, that you would have a very healthy perspective of the local church, and specifically of Blaze Church, because this is where we gather. You know, next two weeks, in two weeks, it is our sixth birthday as a church. Come on, that's awesome. It's going to be a great celebration service, planned to be here first Sunday in October. And so for, for Amy and I, as we are privileged to pastor this church and see what God has done over six years, really just have this desire for you to understand, here's the church, here's its importance, here's its value. And I get it, for the past year and a half, we've had some reshaping as we've thought about a lot of things as a society of what we do, where we go, how we go, all of that. And we're coming together and we're discovering these principles of Blaze Church. Now you see it on the wall in the back and the sign. You see it on every video we put out. We are constantly keeping in front of you the vision of Blaze Church. And so if you know it, say it with me. We exist so the people might what? Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Those are the four things that we believe every person was created to experience. And it's, it just kind of moves that way. You've got to understand the very first thing you were created for is to know the God who made not just know about him, but know him personally. And once we know God, then God kind of, he wants to move the, the stuff and the junk out of our lives. And that's what we call finding freedom. In the first week I shared that knowing God happens best in these environments. As a group, we get to know God more. That's what our weekend services are all about. That's why we sing the songs we sing have the environments that we have from Blaze Kids to our adult space to the coffee. All of it is intentional so that you might know God. And if you don't know him today, we were specifically thinking of you because we want you to gather in this space for one hour and have all the distractions and and really, if I could just say, all the nonsense, all, all the stuff that would just clutter up God removed so that you might say, wow, it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. I got to know the God who loves me. But this is not the space where you're going to find freedom because that requires you sharing with another person and having a group of people know what you're going through. That's why last week I talked about small groups. I was so excited because last week, not only did we like bake hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pancakes, that was awesome, ate a whole lot of pancakes, but over 60 people signed up to be in a small group last week. Yeah. And there's still some spaces left. Some of the groups closed up because, hence the name small group. We keep it to a certain amount of people because, I mean, imagine getting into a a small group and there's 30 people that you're going to have talk in front of. So we found that kind of special number. But that doesn't mean you can't be in a group. There are still plenty of groups that are open. And I am really encouraging every person to go to blazechurch.org slash groups and to be in a group they start this week. Today, we're going to talk about this third part of our faith journey, which is the part where you start to discover your purpose. Because as we say, and as I'm wearing, you were created on purpose for a purpose. Every single person. There's not one person in this space or on this planet that does not have a God-given purpose. The problem is sin distorts our God-given purpose. 
And way too many people go through life not knowing what God created them for. And today we want to spend 30 minutes together discovering how you might discover the purpose God has for you. Uh, Before we get into it, I do want to have a little bit of room participation. So play along with me. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you stand up or do anything, but I'm going to ask you to just shout out some answers at me. What is the, the, one of the greatest gifts that you've ever received? Salvation, the Christian answer we have <laughs> from my mom. Um, she raised me well. All right, awesome. Salvation, the first, the first service, there was nothing but Jesus. Jesus. I'm like, okay, yes, I get it. All right, what else is the greatest gift you've ever received? It's okay, we're not going to judge you. Blackstone, come on, man. Grill me up some ribs, some brisket, whatever you got. Awesome, Blackstone Grill. Apple Watch. Come on, where's the rest of materialistic people? Where are you at? Life, life is good, right? Just being alive, that's awesome. Children, wife. Someone's trying to get bonus points back there. Who is that? Right, actually, when I, a car, when I, when I asked Amy this question, I said, hey, what's the greatest gift that you ever received? She said, the children, And I just took a moment, I just, I flexed a little. And I said, but girl, and she did that, what you guys just did, just laughed. Um, Right, we received a car once from somebody. We were in a situation where we just, we just didn't have the money for a new car. Car was totaled, someone gave us a car. Also Starbucks gift cards. Can I get a hallelujah right there? Like, I don't know, it's just, there's a freedom there. I can get whatever I want, especially now PSLs, man. Just keep getting me some more pumpkin spice lattes. Um, so we, we've got all these different gifts. So you know what it's like to receive a gift, I'm sure. You know what it's like to give a gift. And so this may sound basic, but I do want to define what a gift is. Um, so we all have a working definition. A gift is something that is given willingly without expectation of payment. So that's very important for you to understand. And let me, let me explain it this way. At the end of the work week, when your employer gives you your I'm not sure many of us go, oh my goodness, I didn't expect this. <laughs> this is for me? You took the, no, you probably say, where's the rest of it? <laughs> like, I thought I logged a few more hours of overtime. Um, because you're aware of the difference between something you work for and earn and something that is gifted to you. Let me share this quote with you. Presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. It's like this tangible thing that you can point to and say, hey man, I love you this many dollars worth. Uh, the great theologian Michael Scott from The Office. <laughs> uh, right, it's just, this, this is what a present is. This is what a gift is. And so we all understand that. And this morning, what I want to share with you are three gifts that God has for us. Now think about that. If a gift is an expression of somebody's love for you, And it doesn't matter how much it costs. You know that. You can receive something that didn't cost much, but because of the person who gave it or because of the thought and care behind it, it has value to you. So think, if the one who made you, knows you, loves you, formed you, created you on purpose for a purpose, if he has gifts for you, how beautiful must these gifts be? We want to discover these gifts this morning. And the first gift that God has is for every single person in this room and every single person on this planet. And it is the gift of eternal life. It's it's God's gift of, you might say, salvation, of rescue, uh, of, of being born again. Now, in order for you to understand why this gift is so valuable, you have to understand the place that you are in before receiving the gift. 
And so I want to share with you Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So when you think about you, what you probably do is what I tend to do, is I will compare my goodness to the goodness of another person and say, you're doing good. You're doing a great job, man. I mean, look at you. Sunday morning, you didn't stay home. You went to church. You know, you, you forgave that person. You love that person. You know, yeah, sure, you, you had a couple thoughts this week you hope no one finds out about, but who doesn't? I mean, you're not, you're not that bad of a person. See, what we do is we evaluate our goodness on a horizontal scale. And we create this standard and say, okay, if this is the standard, I'm a good person because I know some pretty bad people and I'm not like them. And then we can walk away feeling proud, religious. The problem is that's not the standard that we're held to. (laughs) We're held to the standard of the God who created all things. Don't you think that you got to have a little presupposition here. You have to presuppose with me that there is a God who exists. If there is a God who exists, who created all things, wouldn't he be the one who would get to create the standard for all people? And wouldn't that be the most fair anyway? Because then at what point can one person say this is goodness and this is not? That's why when we look at other cultures, we may say, I don't understand why they treat people that way. And yet to them, that's just culture. So it doesn't cross over cultural lines. So the standard for goodness or scripture would say holiness, perfection is set by God and we all fall short of it. Congratulations. You fell short. I fell short. That's called sin. We miss the mark. Now, what does that lead to in our lives? The moments where you want something that someone else has. Scripture calls that coveting. The moment where you just kind of change a fact or two to protect the other person. Okay, that's called lying. The moment where you take something that doesn't belong to you, stealing. The moment where you're angry with someone in an unhealthy way, right? What does all of that lead to? Well, God declares that the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23, is death. Your sin earns you and me death. That's the paycheck we deserve. At the end of our lives, we should show up with all of our sin and say, hi, I'm here to cash in. I'll take death now, please. (laughs) I worked really hard for it. I fell short of God's standard. That's the bad news of the good news, the bad news of the gospel. And without understanding that, then the gift of eternal life just becomes something for a shelf. doesn't matter. But when you understand the weight of your sin, that it leads to death, then you should understand the depth of God's grace because the verse goes on to say, the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the gift of God. He has provided this gift to every single person. There's not a person in this world who cannot receive the gift of eternal life that God has. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever, that means anybody, Whoever what? Believes. See, that's what you got to understand. What does it take for you to receive a gift? Very practically, what do you have to do? If I extend a gift to you, what do you have to do? Accept it. Receive it. You've got to basically say, I want this. Yes, thank, there's gratitude in our hearts in that moment. So here's how you receive the gift of eternal life. Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you might be saved. 
you could be saved. You're not really sure, but maybe when you get to heaven, you'll find out if you're saved. Could you imagine? You will be saved. It is a promise of God's. It is not one where you have to wonder. You should not go through your days as a believer wondering if you're saved. You stand on the promises of God's word and say, I am saved because Jesus Christ satisfied the wage of sin and death by dying on my place. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. Sure, I'm not who I want to be, but praise the Lord, I'm not who I once was. I was lost and now I'm found and the Holy Spirit is working out salvation in me. So for you this morning, if you've never received this gift, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to receive the gift of salvation. And you didn't know that September 19th would be a day where you will receive the greatest gift ever, but it's about to be. But let me just speak to you. If you have received the gift of salvation, you might say you're a believer, you're a Christian, you're a disciple of Christ. Please don't tune out to this gospel presentation. Because what we can do is we can say, okay, yeah, yeah, I've got that one. What's the next gift? I already got that one. I opened that one. What else has God got for me? And what can happen in our hearts is we can be filled with pride and arrogance and what I'll call gospel amnesia, where we forget about the goodness of our God. And we forget that our salvation, I love this verse in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from you. <laughs> you didn't do this. It's the gift of God. And Christians, can I just tell you that you would be a whole lot happier and I would be a whole lot happier and a whole lot more humble and a whole lot less ungrateful if we pause throughout our days and simply were aware of the gift of eternal life. Could you imagine if when you want to judge another person and you want to come against someone else, in that moment, you're reminded and say, thank you, Lord, for the gift of eternal life. In fact, let me ask you, when was the last time where you had a moment of stillness before the Lord just to thank him for the gift? Not to bring him your requests, although he's ready for that. He loves that. He's a good father. Not even to, to just praise him and worship him and cry out anything except for, thank you. Thank you for saving me. Because apart from this gift, I, I, don't even, I can't even process where I'd be. I can't even imagine it, Lord. Come on, that creates a spirit of humility in our hearts. And so right now, I want to invite you to receive the gift of salvation because you're hearing the gospel. You are a sinner, earning for yourself death. Jesus Christ died. He took that payment to the cross so that you might receive the free gift of eternal life. And right now, I want you to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart if you never have before. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray right in this moment. This is the moment for you to receive this gift. And if you've never received the gift of eternal life, then as a church and we're praying, you make this prayer your own. It's not words to repeat. It is a heart change of you saying, Jesus, I need your gift. And so let's pray this. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died just for me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Christ from the dead. I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And church, let's let out a good hallelujah, a good shout of praise to our God who has saved us 
and it's now saved you. That's the gift. Don't complicate it. It's a gift. Open your hands. Receive it. Now, I want to share with you two more gifts that God has for believers. Notice the first gift is a gift for everybody. That's you if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Everybody can be saved. Call in the name of the Lord and be saved. But these next two gifts that God has are specifically for people who are saved, which we just had a moment for you to receive the gift of eternal life. So even if this is your first moment receiving it, guess what? Welcome to the family. You're born again. You're a believer in Jesus. So now God's saying, I've got some gifts for you. I'm going to give you gifts so that you might live out your new life, your salvation. And the first gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I understand in a 30-minute message, I cannot adequately and beautifully give the Holy Spirit the, the attention that he deserves in 30 minutes. He, he needs like a sermon series, 52 week, a one year on the Holy Spirit. He's that good. So I'm going to do my best to just present who the Holy Spirit is because I found in my experience that when it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit, there's just a lot of question marks in people's lives. We kind of understand God the Father because we have fathers or no fathers around us, so we can kind of wrap our minds around that. We understand God the Son, Jesus, who came to this world and, and died for us. But then the Holy Spirit gets like this bad reputation. Like he's just seen as like parties and makes the party go too long and does weird stuff. We're like, why are you here again? Right? That, that's just our perception of who he is. And if I can just in the next couple minutes break that down, and cause so much awe and desire in you as best as I can to implore you to say, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. I want to know him. In fact, just so you understand, you can't even know the Son apart from the Holy Spirit. Like you can't actually even make a declaration of faith if not for the Holy Spirit stirring your heart and pointing you to Jesus. My words won't do it. No one's will. Jesus said the advocate will come and he will point you to me. So he's already working in this space. You just might not be aware of his beauty because he's gotten all wrapped up in this weirdness that is not biblical. It's man-made. So the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends to the Father in Acts chapter 1. He says, on one occasion while he was eating with them. I love that Jesus eats food. I love eating food. I love we see him eating food all the time. Come on. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. But what is the word there? Say it. Wait for the gift, okay? So he's telling them, wait for the gift. Don't leave. Wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Because Jesus had spoken about the power of the Holy Spirit throughout his entire ministry, especially to his disciples. So he goes on, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be, what is it? Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now I do want to point out a couple things that you should understand. Who is it that Jesus is speaking to in this moment? Who is he talking to? His disciples, right? Believers, followers of his. They've made a profession of faith. They've received the gift of eternal life. So the first thing to understand is these people are saved. Okay, so I want you to understand we are saved by grace alone through faith. That's it. That's important because you don't need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit or in the Holy Spirit to be saved. Because a lot of, there's a lot of confusion around that. Like, oh, I need to speak in tongues to be saved or I need to be, war no, Ephesians 2, we just read it. I am saved by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. These are his disciples. They're saved. You, if you can contribute to your salvation, you nullify the beauty and the work of Jesus Christ. 
you take some credit for it. It's just him. He went to the cross. He died in your place and put our faith in him. Now, we don't want to stop there and say, okay, good, I'm saved. I don't need it. No, 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 no. Why would you stop when the Father has good gifts for your life? Why would we say, no, thanks, Dad. I don't want those gifts. I got the one I wanted. I'm just going to choose my gifts. Why? No. So these are disciples. They are saved. And this makes it a little more tricky. Before this moment, Jesus actually said to them, receive the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit already. The scripture tells us that when we're saved, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Paul writes about that in Ephesians. So if I receive the Holy Spirit, Jesus, why am I waiting for the Holy Spirit? Right? A little, it should be a little like, what am, I, what am I waiting for here? Because what Jesus has for us and what the Father has for us is the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. God's got more of his presence that he wants to give you. He's got more of himself that he wants you to be immersed in as you follow him as a believer. So he tells his disciples, don't leave until you receive this gift. I know you're saved. I know you've got my spirit in you, but you need more to accomplish the purpose that I have for your life. So wait in Jerusalem. Does anybody here, this is like next level Bible trivia, okay? Does anybody here know how many days they waited in Jerusalem for before they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? You can shout out some answers. We won't laugh at you if you're wrong. Ten. It's like Ben was here for the first service. (laughs) Ben's a cheater. Everybody tell him that. Thank you, Ben. Ten. They waited for ten days. Now, side note that has nothing to do with anything, but you should just know this for your life because you can impress people at football games later with this fact. When I was 18, we, were in a, we had a Christian rock band that we started, and the name of the band was 10 Days Waiting, and I found a picture of what we looked like back when I was 18. You're going to notice a couple other key people that I need you to figure out. Josh Keys right there, Matt Drums right there. This was our life, people. We played three shows, we recorded two songs, and then we realized we should not be doing this. And we started Blaze Church a few years later. So aren't you glad I didn't hit it big with the band? Um, but we, we, 10 days waiting, we were just, we were all in, like, we're going to press people with 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit. So the disciples wait for 10 days, and then they are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some amazing stuff happens in their life. So there's, Typically, three big questions that come out of the conversation about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to answer them for you. The first one is, who can be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because maybe you look at other people and say, yeah, they can because of look at their life. Look at how great they are. They're super holy people. Of course, they can receive that gift. I'm just not at that level yet. I'm still too, too messed up. I'm born again, but there's still a little of me that's getting in the way of what he wants. So let's just read scripture to find out who can receive the Holy Spirit. Peter actually, after being baptized in the Holy Spirit, quotes an Old Testament prophet, and here's what he says. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on, what's the word there? Do you know what all means? All, there you go. All means all. On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. The first thing you have to understand as a follower of Christ, one who has received the gift of salvation, 
is that God has the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit for you today. And it goes beyond age, it goes beyond race, it goes beyond gender, it goes beyond social status. All of that was listed in that prophecy. Doesn't matter. Young, old, man, woman, female, male, boy, girl. How many ways can I say this? It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what your social class is. There's no discrimination. All people. God's spirit is poured out. Now, after hearing that, there might be something that wells up in you and I that says, okay, second question, what's going to happen if I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit? Let me give you the question behind the question when you ask that. Am I going to become one of the weird Christians? It's okay to laugh. Oh, I'm Pastor Keith. Like, I'm, I'm pretty normal as a believer right now. And if I receive this gift, am I going to get weird? Am I going to start, like, just speaking in some weird stuff? Like, someone's going to be at the office and says, has anyone seen my keys? And I just, like, you need the keys to the kingdom, brother. And everything is just, like, just stay, like, Am I going to get weird? Am I going to lose my friends? Like, what's going to happen? Okay. So short answer, no. Long answer, no. No. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what we see in Scripture. You're going to be filled with the presence of God so that there is a boldness in your life that you might declare the goodness of God to those around you. You're going to have God's supernatural direction and guidance for your life. There's going to be moments where God's going to use you to speak encouragement and wisdom and life to other people because you're no longer focused on yourself. You're focused on the power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. That's what's going to happen. I'll say it this way. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give you an abundant life. You're going to actually start to live out an abundant spirit-filled life because to live out an abundant spirit-filled life, you need to be filled with the Spirit. So there should be something now in you that says, okay, if this gift is for me and that's all that's going to happen, how do I receive that gift? Because to receive salvation, Scripture says, confess and believe in our hearts. So how do I receive that gift? And lucky for you guys, I packaged the baptism right here in this little (laughs) bag. Who wants a gift? I see that hand. Can you bring this back there? Go ahead. There's someone back there who raised his hand. I see, yes, right there. All right, let's clap. Receive the gift right there. Okay. Who wants this gift? Joe's exempt. Right there. Two hands. I can't see anything. He's got to walk around until they yell at you. All right, everybody clap for both those people. Sorry, bro. You're on staff. You don't get a gift on Sundays. I'm your gift. <laughs> how, do you, how do you receive a gift? What, do, what just happened? How do we receive a gift? Saying yes. Saying, yes. <laughs> Saying I want a gift. Okay, don't, don't, don't overcomplicate this. The words of Jesus with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Luke, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts, don't you love how Jesus is just so forward? He's like, you bunch of sinners, you know how to do this. You know how to give good gifts, and you're, you're messed up. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit? There's the gift. To what? To those who, what's the word? Ask him. For some reason, we have complicated the baptism in the Holy Spirit. To shake a little and, and, and just kind of start doing weird things, and the candle's got to be lit, and the mood's got to be right, and all these things have to happen when Scripture simply says, ask. Just ask. 
So let me ask you, when was the last time that you just asked the Father to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and then just receive the gift he has for you? Because, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm just too simple. Jesus just says ask, so why don't we just ask? <laughs> so Jesus baptized me in the Holy Spirit. So what's great about this moment and this day is maybe this is the first time you're hearing this preached about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to feel like less than for that. In Acts chapter 19, Paul is going around to churches that he started in places that need churches, and he comes to a group of believers, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? So again, here's a good case. They believed, they were saved, and he says, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And so you know what he does? He puts his hands on them, prays for them, and it says they received the Holy Spirit. And at the end of our time together, that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're going to invite any who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to simply have us as pastors and a prayer team lay our hands on you. And I can promise you this, no one's going to push you. No one's going to shake you. No one's going to manipulate that moment because that's not scripture. We are simply going to pray over you. Simple, powerful prayer. Jesus baptized your child in the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, in the first service, people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in this service, people are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Either for the first time or for the hundredth time, we're just going to receive the gift again. Before we get there, I want to share with you one last gift God has for believers. And it's plural. It's spiritual gifts. God has for you spiritual gifts so that you might accomplish the purpose that God has for your life. And there's, there's confusion around spiritual gifts because we hear that. And again, something wells up in us that says, yeah, but is that for today? It, that's kind of weird. It, didn't that all stop? In fact, there's a teaching, cessationism, that says it stopped with the apostles. And I understand because there's so much misuse and abuse of spiritual gifts and manipulation that it causes us to just pump the brakes and say, that can't be for today. And this is my heart. It's the heart of Paul from 1 Corinthians 12, 1. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Today, this is my prayer for you, that you would just not be uninformed because there's this misinformation. So who here has ever heard the word charismatic before? Who's ever met a charismatic person and kind of wish that you didn't? It's okay. Hopefully they're not sitting next to you. You're like, he's talking about you. Hey, think about that. The reason for that is not because of scripture, it's not because of the word charismatic. It's because of charismania, where people just lose their mind and then say, oh, I couldn't control myself. The Holy Spirit took over. You do know that there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul talks about order of the gifts of the Spirit, and he says that the, the prophecy is subject to the prophet, meaning you're in control during that. So if you try to lose control and blame Jesus, you got him to deal with. He's already told you that. He'd be like, no, nah, it wasn't me, bro. That was all you. <laughs> like, you were in control. The word charismatic comes from the Greek word charis, where we get the word charisma, which simply means grace gift. So a charismatic person is simply someone who has discovered their purpose, knows their spiritual gifts, and is using them for the good of other people. With that, how many would say, I want to be a charismatic? We'd all say that. Oh, that's what that means? To know my purpose, to know what I was created for, to know that God has spiritual gifts for me so that I can love others and lead people to know God? 
That's that word. That's it. All throughout the New Testament, when you see spiritual gifts or gift, you see the word charisma. Grace gift. It's a gift of grace. A spiritual gift is supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in the world. Notice a spiritual gift is not a natural talent that you have. Some of you are very talented. A a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. I didn't clear this with, with Josh, but I know you wouldn't mind me sharing. Josh would say, I've known Josh my whole life since we were five, and all throughout school years, Josh was timid, was shy. How many of you could laugh right now to think of Josh being timid and shy if you know Josh? Yeah, exactly. And Josh, you would say that's supernatural gift. That's not because he is naturally extroverted, loves to talk to people. The Holy Spirit has given him a gift of exhortation, which is a spiritual gift, encouragement. See, it's a supernatural ability that goes beyond our own talent and our own abilities. Why? So that together, meaning you don't receive spiritual gifts so that you can make your own business cards and sell holy water at 1 a.m. in the morning online, okay? That's not it. Thank you. It's so that together, the church, we might advance the purpose of God in this world. What's God's purpose? That people would know him, find freedom, discover their purpose, and start to make a difference, right? Lost people saved, saved people, disciple, disciple people, mobilize. Like that's, that's the vision of God for the world. So he gives us these gifts so we can do it. So now there should be something in you saying, okay, yeah, this is getting really exciting. How do I now understand my spiritual gifts? I want to give you three ways. Write these down. The first is this. You got to discover them. You got to discover your spiritual gifts. Romans says that we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. God has gifts for your life. And, and it's not that some are better than the other. So that some people are more holy than others. God has a special grace for every single person. He knows exactly what you were created for because he made you and he's got gifts for you to accomplish that mission. There's all gifts. Service, hospitality, leadership, administration, mercy, speaking in tongues, wisdom, prophecy. These are the gifts that God gives us. We want to discover them. We want to know what these gifts are. So many people go through life not knowing their gifts. And I'm going to share with you at the end of our time a a really practical way that you can start to discover your gifts. But once you discover them, the next thing you get to do is you get to develop them. Right? It's not enough just to know what the gifts are. Now I want to develop the gifts that God has given me. Paul laid his hands on a young minister named Timothy and prayed and the gifts were given. And here's what he said to him. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan it into flame. Develop it. it just just keep, keep working on it. Keep acknowledging that God's got a gift for you. Some of you guys, you don't, you don't realize this. When you walk into this room, because we're all different, you'll walk in and one of you, you'll, you'll see a crooked chair and say, oh, I gotta go fix that chair like right now. This is throwing the whole thing off. You, you have an administrative gift, organizational Others, you'll walk into the same room. You don't care about the crooked chair. You see somebody crying because you have a gift of mercy. And you're going to go right over to that person and say, I'm going to pray with you because you might have a gift of intercession. Or if you have a teaching gift, you're going to sit down and say, something's up, but I'm going to teach you right now exactly what you need to know because you have a teaching gift and you have a mercy gift. Guys, this is exciting. Like that's why the church needs to come together because we all have different gifts, different personalities, 
We all need to complete one another. And the third thing that we do, once we discover them, we're developing them, is what I just said. You need to deploy them or use them. It's just, I have a pastor gift, and that means I need to alliterate everything I do. So it took me a while to think of a D word for the word use, but deploy. It sounds really powerful, too. I'm going to deploy my gift right now. You're going to discover it. We're going to develop it. I'm going to deploy this gift on you. I'm going to make sure that you know that God has blessed me, not for me to be blessed, but for you to be blessed by me being a part of this church. 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. You might say, I don't have a gift. No, no, you do. God's given every single believer a gift. Use them well to serve one another. Don't use them well to make you famous, to make you great. Use them to serve. Next week, I'm going to talk a whole lot about how you can use your gifts on the dream team here through Blaze Church. But you've got to notice they're not for you. They're for the good of others. Paul writes in Corinthians, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. We can help each other. We're in this series, Rethinking the Church. And if you remember, it's based off of that Psalm, Psalm 92, 13, which I'd love for us to just declare together right now as our declaration and really our, our purpose throughout this series. Let's say this. I... And planted in the house of the Lord. I flourish in the courts of my God. So we're learning how we might flourish in God's courts, how we might be planted in his house. And we're discovering these values we have at Blaze Church. Value number one, we're going to be a church that will gather together. We will gather together. We will do so strategically. We'll do so with wisdom, just as we have over the past 18 months. But we will put the emphasis on gathering together because as we discovered, there's things that happen when we gather together corporate reading of God's word, understanding, corporate worship, celebrating the Lord's Supper. We gather together. The second priority, which is not second in order, but just another one in equal value, is we are a church that will carry one another. And I shared last week how you can come in on a Sunday and be unknown to people around you. And that's why you need to be in a small group so that somebody can carry your burdens. And here's our third priority. It's the one that has to do with our spiritual gifts. We will be a church that will fit together like a puzzle. That's the image I want you to have. Scripture uses the image of a body. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says that just like the body has many parts and it works together to form the whole, so the church has many parts. You have gifts that God has only given you and he's created just one of you. There's no carbon copying with God. Pastor Amy reminded us of that in our At The Movie series. You're one of a kind. You're special. You're unique. Some of you need to listen to Veggie Tales. What does Bob the Tomato say at the end there? My brother Marie says, God made you special and he loves you very much, right? It's just my childhood right there. A little talking tomato. God made us special. There's only one you. And when you don't discover your purpose, here's what happens. The church hurts. The body hurts. The puzzle's incomplete. So you go on this journey to discover your purpose and we as a church go on it with you so that so we'll learn next week, you're going to make a difference. You're going to be changed and people's lives are going to be changed. God has given us gifts for our good, but don't miss this, and for the good of others. It is so good to operate in your lane as a spirit-filled believer. You fill with joy. That's where your joy is complete. But it's not just for you. It's for the good of others. So where do we go from here? Because I know this is a lot. 
My, my singular prayer for you as I was getting ready for this weekend was not that you would be so bombarded that you would feel overwhelmed and, and just like, how do I even get going with this? But that you would be so excited to know the gifts that God has for your life. That you would leave this space saying, wow, I can't believe there's a God in heaven who has all of that for me. I want to know him more and I want to know more about what he's got for me. So here's what I'm encouraging you to start with. Just one word, awareness. Just start to be aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life because if you are a believer, he is with you. What if throughout your day you paused and said, Holy Spirit, I know you're there, but help me be aware. Just a simple prayer you start to pray out in moments. I know you're there, help me be aware. Because what that will do is that will position you to be a blessing to someone else and to be a blessing to someone else, you're gonna need his gifts to do it. Because in your own self and in my own self, in what the scripture says, the flesh, I'm not going to want to bless somebody else. I got my own things to think about. But now I'm praying. I know you're there. Help me be aware. And he's saying, okay, I'm going to give you the gift of mercy right now. I'm going to give you the gift of generosity because you got to go bless this person. Come on, that's an exciting life. That's an abundant life. Here's something I'm so excited to share with you that we, we developed this week from the ground up. The whole thing got done in a week. We built a webpage called blazechurch.org slash purpose. I want you to write that down, take a picture of it. I want you to go there later today or this week. What we have on this webpage is some teaching that, that I did on spiritual gifts and an actual profile assessment where you're gonna go through and answer some questions. And at the end, you're gonna discover your personality type and you're gonna discover the spiritual gifts that God has given you right now in this season. Like how cool is that? Like you, something, yeah, something very practical. You can walk away saying, oh, okay. So it's not a bad thing that when I walk into the room, the first thing I notice is a crooked chair. It's just, I'm more task-based. And God's given me an administrative gift to fix that. You're gonna discover more of your purpose. And so I wanna really encourage you to make sure you visit that page this week and, and see the videos we got there. Ashley recorded some stuff as well as some great stuff on that site. But today, our next step is what I shared. We're gonna have a moment now where our worship team is just gonna sing. We're gonna worship the Lord there's going to be opportunity for you to be prayed over. Just as scripture says, we're going to anoint you with oil, which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and we are going to lay hands on you and just pray a prayer. Jesus, baptize your child in the Holy Spirit. And I want to just set the tone for this moment before we begin. And I've shared a lot of it, but I want to be real clear. This is a moment where God is glorified, not a singular person is glorified. And so what that means is as we pray over you, and then you return to your seat, I'm going to encourage you to start worshiping the Lord. And scripture does say that one of the gifts the Holy Spirit gives is the gift of speaking in tongues. That simply means the gift of a heavenly language, something you've never, you've never been taught. It's supernatural. It's God's gifting. And you might say, well, why? That's the weird part. See, I knew there was a weird part. He saved it to the end. No, it's not weird. Scripture says that the most unruly parts of our lives is the tongue. That if we can control the tongue, the whole body would be under control. So don't you think it's awesome that God says, here's a gift for your, your tongue to be in control. For you to just start, let me, let, me, let me just, let me give that purpose. It's God's gift. And that does not mean that any person here is going to start yelling out. I'm just, say that, because that's not scripture. That's why. We're not trying to stop what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We're just trying to follow what the Bible says. And the Bible says that there is no point where someone should be taking the attention off of Jesus and putting it on themselves. And so you're going to see our team is going to be worshiping nice and loud to create a private space for you and the Lord and for you to worship the Lord in that moment. And we're going to pray over you. And we're not going to push you. 
We're not going to do one of these, put my foot out and push you that way so you go down. We're not going to do any of that. It, this, we're not going to shake you. Again, it's not scripture. We're going to just trust the power of the Holy Spirit in your life as we pray over you. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand in this moment. Our worship team is going to come up. We're going to sing. And anyone who would like to be prayed over, again, you may just want to stay where you are. Get that. Just worship the Lord in this moment. Reflect on what we've talked about today. But if you want to be prayed over, you're saying, I want people to pray over me, then I'm going to ask you to come up this way. Just come straight through and then go out that way back to your seat. So if you're on this side, don't come up this way. Just kind of go back around. Come over here. And then once our team sees that everyone who wants to be prayed over has been prayed over, um, we'll have a couple next steps and we'll head out. But I want to pray before we pray. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you that in this moment we get to come to you and we get to ask you for the Holy Spirit, just as your scripture has said. This is not something that is a burden. This is not something that creates uneasiness in our hearts. This is the promise of the Father. Jesus said, ask and my Father will give you the Holy Spirit. And so this morning we ask in faith, believing that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit for us. Father, I thank you for people here who are gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit for the first time. They're gonna begin to praise you in a heavenly language and be filled with joy and excitement as your spirit fills them in their hearts. Father, I thank you for those who have received this gift and today is another receiving of the gift that you have for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do not leave us with just the gift of salvation and then tell us to figure it out you equip us. So we ask you today for spiritual gifts to be given. We ask you for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.